Welcome to Culture Eats Strategy. Eats Strategy. With your host, entrepreneur Jamie J. Jamie J. On this podcast, we unpack the most powerful, intangible culture. Culture. Culture is way more than a mission statement or words on a wall. It's how a company behaves. It's what informs every decision, action, and reaction. Culture is the invisible hand, the true north that guides every organization. And if you create a legendary culture, you will build a legendary company. A legendary company. Now, here he is, Jamie J. Jamie J. All right, we are back with another episode of Culture Eats Strategy with Jamie J. I am Jamie J, your host, and I can't be more excited to talk with Mary Ryan today. I, we had a conversation. I don't know if you know my buddy, David Schreiner Khan. Um, he's actually going to be on the show in a couple weeks, but uh, we have a, another show that we do um, every Wednesday morning uh, on Facebook Live called 3-Day MBA, and he's my co-founder there. He's uh, and, and, and co-host, I guess you could say. And he actually told me about uh, Mari and what she was doing, and I about blew a gasket, <laughs> to be honest with you, because what she's doing is so incredible. And I'm so excited to introduce her um, to everyone because I really believe you guys know how, heck, I have a show about culture, um, a podcast about culture. That's how much I, I believe in it. And uh, at Bottleneck, we, the entire team buys into a certain cultural aspect of how we conduct a business, how we make our decisions, how we talk to one another, how, how projects are, are finished, how we, how we uh, communicate with our clients. And, it, and it's, such a, it's so much more than, say, beanbags and beer, right? It's, 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 it's the behavior that we have. And I'm so excited to have Mary Ryan on, who's the CEO and founder of Advancing Wellness. Um, she's an award-winning author, speaker, and works like well-being strategist. I love that worksite well-being strategist. She leverages over 30 years of business experience in various marketing, consulting, and executive roles across a variety of different industries. And for the past decade, uh, Ms. Ryan has been creating healthier businesses and impacting the lives of employees through her consulting work and speaking on worksite well-being. Um, you can go and find her at uh, advwellness.com. That's short for advancedwellness.com to learn more about her. She's also on LinkedIn and Facebook and of course, Twitter and YouTube and she's all kinds of places there. Uh, But without any further ado, um, Ms. Ryan, welcome. This is amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Well, thanks for your excitement. I'm just thrilled to be here too. I'm just glad to be able to continue our conversations. Yes. So we, we, in full disclosure and transparency, we met, like I said, the other day. Um, and I, I was just blown away because um, you wrote a book. Can you tell us the title of your book? The title of my book is The Thriving Hive. How people-centric workplaces, let me get it right, how people-centric workplaces ignite engagement and fuel results. And it's a business parable and it's set in a beehive. I love it. And, and that's how you got the, the award, right? 
Well, the book, yes. So the book was uh, recently uh, given an award in the, it's the, it's called the Axiom Business Book Award. So it's a national business book award. And I won a silver award in the category of business fables. That's amazing. And so can you tell us kind of in a nutshell what, what the book is about, the, the Thriving Hive? Sure. The book is a story. And, uh, you know, I love, I love like, you know, the idea that it's a story because so much is, you know, so much of what we do in life comes from the stories. Yep. And it's set, um, it, it has a, as a main character, two main characters. It has a CEO who inherited her role from her mentor. And she is in conversation with him about some areas in which she's struggling. And he, you know, she's just not sure if she's got some blind spots or just how best to really address this. And in visiting with her, um, her mentor, he takes her to his beehives and they mm-hmm. visit with two different beehives. One is what we call the dive hive and one is the alive hive. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I think anybody listening will recognize if I ask the question, have you ever worked in something that you would describe as a dive hive? Or have you ever worked in something that you would describe as an alive hive? I think people would know immediately the answer to those questions. Yeah, I know I have. (laughs) We all have. I think we all have. We all knew when there was a dysfunctional culture or that there were bullies in the workplace or you know, any of the many things, you know, more stress, um, too much stress or more work than you could ever get done in a lifetime, any of those kinds of things that create a workplace that's, you know, not, op- you know, really not optimal in terms of creating a thriving workplace where the people can thrive and the business can thrive. And that's really the point of the book is how do we create these workplaces where people can thrive and the business will thrive? So I don't know how I can, am about ready to branch all this together, but I'm going to try right now because I have three okay. thoughts coming in uh, to one. Go for it. Um, so you wrote your book super quick, in my opinion. That blew my mind. I'm very impressed, by the way. Um, congratulations. And to write such a good book, um, even, even more kudos. <laughs> um, now, you also do... Uh, consulting on worksite well-being, which I would love to hear what your definition of worksite well-being is. Mm-hmm. A lot of culture, um, a lot of, I, dare I say, good culture, in, in my opinion, or a good environment to be a part of, tends to have a lot of organization tied to it that people believe into, believe in. Mm-hmm. So you wrote your book in a very fast and a very efficient very efficiently, you consult on um, workplace well-being. And I would assume, there's that word that I'm scared to use from time again, (laughs) but I would assume that you somehow integrate some form of organization in these efforts. So you see how I'm tying all three of these together is what I want to know. First of all, what's your definition of well-being? And as proof you writing this book so efficiently and, and so well, it's, it's a testament to 
how you can help other organizations by teaching this workplace well-being or consulting this workplace or educating them. And I'm just wondering maybe if you can define workplace well-being and then go into how do you integrate that organizational structure into a maybe possibly chaotic environment? Sure. Okay. So let's start with the definition. So when we think about workplace well-being from the individual level, what we're, what we're talking about is we tend to use a model that was developed by the Gallup organization and it has five dimensions to it. When we think, you know, I want to make sure we clarify that we're using the word well-being and not wellness because workplace wellness has been around for decades But when we typically think about wellness, we think about our physical health. So how much I eat, how much I weigh, do I get enough physical activity? Am I getting enough sleep? Do I not use tobacco? And that is an important aspect. And that is one of the dimensions of the model. And I call that the energy dimension. Um, Gallup actually refers to it as physical, but I view it as energy because energy is what, you know, big part of what we need in order to be able to thrive. There's also the financial well-being aspect because we all know that if we are in a place in our lives where we are struggling from a financial perspective, that can weigh down every other aspect of our life. It can distract us at work. It can ruin our relationships. It, it just causes a huge amount of stress. So financial well-being is actually, you know, just taken on a life of its own in the last few years. And there's a lot of great resources available for that. And if you think about the role that the employer plays, you know, we have all of these, you know, individual welfare programs is what they used to be called, right? If you think about the, the benefits that we get, you know, life insurance, health insurance, disability insurance, paid time off, all of those link to our financial well-being. Mm. So employers already play a key role in this. And when I talk a little bit about how we work with clients, we'll tie that back in because we can't avoid that dimension. It's a key part of of our life. So that's the second one. The third one is connection. And I know this is something that you are, you know, just all about connection. And it's about the relationships that we have and the extent to which we have those relationships and those relationships can be positive, supportive, encouraging, as opposed to the relationships and what you might find in the dive hive where people are, um, are not cared for, where they're considered disposable, you know, something you could use up and throw away and bring in the next crew. Um, so really how connections can be deepened in the workplace and how those can then tie into the next dimension, which is community. So mm. we can think, think about community both within the workplace, the extent to which you feel like you have a, a, an, you know, a, a community within your workplace, and that can be through the connections you make there, but also that extends to the places in which you live, the place in which you live. Do mm. you feel safe in the place that you live? Do you feel like you have connections and um, other people in your community that you share common interests with? So community is another piece. And then the last piece, and one that I think, you know, when we tie back to the organizational aspect of this, is so important, and that is purpose. So if you think of purpose kind of at the center of all of, of these others, purpose is what drives us, what motivates us, what gets us out of bed every single day. 
And that is so important for us because without purpose, we're kind of just wandering through life. Yeah. And this is where I am a firm believer. And if we talk about this at the organizational level, purpose is really, you know, if you think about the organizations you've worked in and the ones that you felt really connected to, oftentimes that was because there was some bigger vision, mission, and purpose that that organization fulfilled. And this is why many times people who work in not-for-profit organizations tend to be, you know, highly engaged because Mm. they're there with a purpose. Their own personal purpose is oftentimes linked to the purpose or the mission of that organization. Right. Yeah. A little more personally vested. Uh, Exactly. Exactly. Well, I want to feel excited about this. And and the the way I represent this in the book is that the dive hive is all about profit, right? So they're only focused on profit. So the senior leaders are drive the numbers, drive to profit, get those honey, those honeybees working harder, working faster, flying further. And it's all about profit. Profit should be an outcome, Mm. not the, not the goal. And in the Alive Hive, the way we, you know, way I represent this is that the Alive Hive has the purpose of creating a healthier planet with fruits and vegetables that people can have on their plates every day because the honeybees are out pollinating the, the flowers and the plants so that those fruits and vegetables can grow and nourish the, the people in the, in the world. I love so that. You, and as of having a, as of, as having a purpose that's, directed more towards providing significance and assistance and, and life money then comes it's or, or or profit and whatever profit will come profit will follow. Yeah. And so you can see the difference there, you know, that one is just focused around profit and one is focused around having an impact, a bigger impact in the world. Mm. And as a result, you know, so you think about this in your workplace, you know, do you really feel connected to what your organization does? And in some way, you know, this is the role that leaders play is to be able to articulate what that vision is, why that vision is important, and the way that your organization is impacting people's lives in a positive way. Uh, See, I absolutely love that. So number one is the energy, the physical health aspect of these five dimensions of well-being, um, workplace well-being. Second is financial. Third is the connection, the relationships, the positivity, the support. Uh, the fourth is community. Do you feel safe? Um, and fifth is what's the purpose? It's, it's the the epicenter, I guess you could say. Yeah, exactly. Oh, see, that's fantastic. I I love that. Now you, you had mentioned that you would, you would touch base a little bit more on how you introduce this into, um, for a consultative approach. Um, when you, when you're looking at a, maybe a organization. Sure. In um, so oftentimes an, an employer will come to me and they'll say, you know, we feel like we need to do better in some areas, such as we're having difficulty attracting the type of employees we want to have come work here. Or if they can't attract them, they have, are having difficulty engaging those employees. And engagement is tied directly, of course, to retention. So mm. you could almost think of this as, as a talent management strategy. Because as you well know, through your work and, you know, everything you're doing, culture is so important and so tied to the employee experience. 
So a part of what the lens that I'm looking at employee experience and culture from is how do we create a workplace where people are excited to show up every day, where they feel like they're cared for, and they feel like they're really connected to the work of the organization and the impact that that's having in the world. Hmm. So how do we do that? So the way we do that is um, in working with a client, we have two kind of two phases to the engagement. The first is an assessment or data collection step. And this can be a very detailed step because we are looking, you know, I'm kind of the detective, if you will, looking across the organization to find both qualitative and quantitative information and data that will tell us and take, it will give us a snapshot of the organization as it exists today. And we hear all kinds of things in in the the way in which we gather this information through um, individual interviews with senior leaders, focus groups with employees. We sometimes do surveys with the employees. We gather all of the information that already exists from other surveys, healthcare claims, You know, we look at the physical workplace so we can see, you know, are there any amenities or are there um, barriers that might preventing people from being able to have a workplace that is thriving? And from that, we compare a comprehensive report that shows the snapshot. Here's the place from which we're starting. And because it's both qualitative and quantitative, it gives us some, some measuring points, if you will, baselines from which we can then measure change over time. And then what we do with that information is we then do a collaborative work uh, session, and it's a series of sessions, obviously, where we co-create a strategy that includes a vision, mission, goals, objectives, and we look at a whole bunch of dimensions, such as the infrastructure, and that's both who's going to own this and keep you know, some element of this present and thriving within the workplace, Um, communications is a key element of this, how people collaborate, um, how you will evaluate. All of those elements go into developing this strategy, which turns then into an operating plan that the employer can then use to carry out the changes they may need to make in their workplace in order to increase their, um, their functionality on the thriving scale. Right. See, that's interesting. So, um, just out of curiosity, have you ever had pushback on this or have you ever got, been going through and seen maybe a couple individuals push back or not really be into it? It's just kind of like, ah, really? Do I got to do a survey? That kind of thing. Have you ever seen that? Oh, sure. All the time. Um, what do you do in that case? Well, so there's two levels of pushback. So let's talk about this a little bit. Let's, let's unpack that because if you get pushback at the senior leader level, that's a red flag because the leadership needs to be on board and it has to be part of their role mm. to be able to create a workplace that shows that you care for your people. If you don't care for your people, they're going to know it. Yeah. And what's their likelihood of being engaged or staying in a place where they don't feel cared for? Yep. Pretty low. Yeah. Exactly. So, so the senior leadership, so this is an important element um, of you know, understanding from the commitment from the senior leadership perspective and their willingness to be role models as part of this, which can invoke a whole bunch of vulnerability for some people because they might not feel like they're good role models. Mm -hmm. But 
important for them for, for, to, to be human as part of this, to show that, yeah, you know, behavior change and healthy habits and rituals that we have in our daily lives that help us really be our best, those are great for everybody. But we're, some of us have trouble doing that. So how can I be vulnerable with that and be human around the fact that, okay, I'm having a little trouble doing some of this? Yes. So, so that's an important piece. At the employee level, there may often be resistance because some folks might say, this is none of your business. Stay out of my life. And at the same time, they're part of that team that needs to work together collaboratively and cohesively in order to achieve your business objectives. So you want everybody, you know, to fundamentally have the I'm part of this and I'm willing to work towards these common goals. I mean, yeah. think about this, right? You're a sports fan, right? Oh, think about, yeah, so t- t- let's take a hockey example, right? You knew right. I was going to go here. <laughs> you knew I couldn't get through this conversation without no. talking about hockey. <laughs> All right. So every once in a while, you see, you see this, like you see one player who's just all about, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this by myself. And they don't depend on their team members. They're not passing the puck. They're not, you know, making the plays in a way that shows that they're part of a team. It's all about them. So maybe there's too much ego involved, whatever it might be. But when they're not working together, you know, you can't, there's a, there's, there's a reason they call it a team, right? You've got to work together to be able to accomplish and achieve the goals. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's a big deal. You can notice little things people will pass from, you know, make a pass and maybe they juggle the pass or maybe it's behind them or something that, and it causes the play not to move out in a fluid motion. And and that's because they're they're just off. They're just off. But then there's other times where boy, it's just clicking and it feels like, you know, they're not even trying and it's just going through the and uh it's funny because in the locker room when you're winning, it's an incredible atmosphere. When you're losing, it's not so fun. It's not not good to be in there. Um, Who wants to be on a losing team? Yeah, exactly. 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 Well, that's why I think it's so important for people to get this on the forefront of what it is that they're doing. This with, without culture, there is no strategy. And that's why I'm such a big believer in culture eats strategy every day. You can have the best strategies in the world, but if you don't have a, a culture a team of people that are trying to drive, they have that same vision, what they aspire to do collectively. And also they embrace the mission. They don't just learn it while the CEO comes through town. Um, You're going to hit, it's, it's, it's not going to bode well for you. And while companies may still post profits, um, I have to imagine being in corporate America for 12 years, not not a, not a long time, but, um, the companies I work for still posted profits, but I can tell you the workplace environment had huge amounts of overhead, overturn, or turnover, sorry. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, was, I was definitely part of that um, uh, because I was one of those people that didn't believe in that culture. And, and, and I really believe, boy, if just, and this is huge because it's, it's about your life. It's not about work and life. And balancing those two, it's about life. And if you can buy into a program where you are enjoying the heck out of life, including your work environment and your home environment, uh, you've hit the jackpot. And you don't even have to make as much money. It's not a, a money thing, in my opinion. 
you can make less money and be absolutely perfectly happy. Well, because you're going to be satisfied, you know, you're going to, you're going to be fulfilled. You'll be thriving. Yeah, I totally agree. So um, as we get closer to winding down, what, um, first of all, how do people get in touch with you? So there's several ways. The easiest is probably to visit our website, which is advwellness.com. And the company name is Advancing Wellness. You can also find me on LinkedIn, just Mari Ryan. And we are on Twitter as ADV underscore, ADV wellness underscore US. So just come and find us and get in touch and let's, let's keep the conversation going. That's so cool. Yeah. So reach out to MariRyan.com or ADV wellness for advanced wellness.com. So ADV wellness. ADV wellness.com. Dot com. Right. Um, and so before we wrap, um, what is the first thing that you might suggest to an organization that may not recognize they actually need your help at this point? <laughs> well, if they don't recognize that they need the help, then that in of itself could be a red flag. Some um, indicators, perhaps. Yeah, there's definitely indicators. And, and that's the thing. I think you have to look for what these indicators are. You know, if you have a sense that employees are disengaged or if you're not able to hire the kind of people that you want, if people are, you know, if you've got high turnover, you know, if, you, if your glass door scores are really low, you know, there's a lot of transparency these days. You know, it's, it's hard to hide a bad culture because people talk and people talk a lot. So it's, um, it's important to, to be willing. I think the first step is to be willing and open to self-examination and being open to hear that maybe it's not working quite as well as you might expect or might have hoped and be willing to make changes uh, based on that. Because quite honestly, your people will tell you, you know, and you can probably already tell to a certain extent, but may just, you know, I've, how many times I've heard stories from, you know, my own experience or other consultants experience where, you know, you point out a, an issue to a CEO or a founder of an organization and they don't want to hear it. You know, they think it's okay, but you and I have both worked in organizations where the culture wasn't so okay. And that impacts everyone every day. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just for all those CEOs out there, just take a chill pill. <laughs> Seriously. Like it's okay. It's okay to, um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the way that you approach the constructive criticism. You know, it's not like, ah, oh, you're terrible, but it's like, you know, I've noticed a couple of things and I thought, have you, have you recognized these or identified these as, as possible challenges? And I think, so there's, there's a way to go about it on both sides, but, but you're right. A lot of the C-level executives, they, they don't want to hear it. If it, you know, it's their boat, it's their ship, it's, it's going their way because of what they've done. And, 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 First and foremost, that is a crazy mentality in my mind uh, because it's, it's our boat. It's our team. And there's no way that boat is moving forward without the engineers and without the, you know, the logistics and without, you know, the whole everything coming together. So I, I appreciate and commend you and, and can't thank you enough again for coming on. And um, I just had an incredible conversation. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap? I just want to thank you for the great work you're doing as well. You are just spend, spreading such good messages around the planet. And that is so, so important. 
because when more people hear this message, the, the more likely they are to move to action. Oh, amen. Thank you so much. And uh, Thriving Hive is the book. Uh, you got to go check that out. I will post everything on the show notes there and we'll share the living daylights out of this. So if you're listening to this right now, share it, share it, share it. Go to iTunes. Actually, you can go right now. You don't even have to listen to the rest of this episode. You can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and review. Now, if it's a three-star review and you don't like what you're hearing, I want to know. I want to be able to improve on what it is that we're doing. If it's a five-star rating, I want to know. I want to know that you're enjoying this. So go over to iTunes, leave your rating review, uh, comment on the, on the post here. Um, and I just cannot thank you enough. My name is Jamie J, host of Culture Eat Strategy. I've been talking with Mari Ryan today. Um, you can learn more, mariryan.com, and also visit the website at the website advwellness.com. That's short for advanced wellness.com, advwellness.com. And of course, her book, again, Thriving Hive. Uh, go check it out. Buy it today. It's going to help you out. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, and I uh, hope you all have a fantastic day. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Mari. Thanks, Jamie.